church family and ministry friends. This is Pastor Stephen Brooks, traveling on location today in Southern California, but ready to bring the Word of God to you right where you're at. Praise God. And today, let's begin by receiving the holy tithes and offerings, bringing them into the storehouse of the Lord, which is, which is a part of our worship to the Lord. And I know that when there's revival, really when there's revival, it, uh, two things are happening. One, you have those in the church who have not been walking close to the Lord or walking in right relationship with the Lord, they begin to come back to the Lord. Their heart begins to turn back to God. And of course, in revival, we also see many of the lost saved. They come to Christ, they give their life to Jesus, and we thank God for revival and seasons of refreshing. We actually see a good example of a revival mentioned in Second Chronicles chapter 31, verse 6. And I think this is amazing when there is fullness of revival, uh, fullness of the moving of the Spirit. This is often something that we see, verse 6. And the children of Israel and Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of holy things, which were consecrated to the Lord their God, they laid in heaps. In the third month, they began laying them in heaps, and they finished in the seventh month. And when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Then Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. Now, can you imagine that? So much uh, money is coming in that they have to pile it up in heaps. Verse 10, and Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty left. For the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is this great abundance. So this is a time of revival under the leadership of King Hezekiah, and God's Spirit is moving. And when people begin to return to the Lord, the Lord touches the heart of a person so that there is a surrender and Jesus wants to be Lord even over our finances. And so many people begin to tithe. And I believe uh, that is also a great indicator of true revival because now the church can be financially healthy. Now the, the vision of God can move forward because there is provision. But here we see in Second Chronicles chapter 31 that when there was a national revival and people are coming back to the Lord, then the tithe is brought into the storehouse of God. And of course, from a natural standpoint, under the Old Testament system, uh, which involved, it revolved around the temple system. Well, if the tithe is not coming in, then the priest and the Levites, uh, they're going to be unemployed. And that means they can't work at the temple. And when the temple uh, worship goes down, then everything goes down. So it's very important that the tithe is brought into the storehouse of God so that the work of God continues smoothly without any interruptions, praise God. Now, I believe we also see the same principle in the book of Malachi chapter three, because when you read uh, the book of Malachi, particularly as it gets into chapter two and chapter three, it's really about God's people coming back to the Lord. And the Lord had some strong words for the priest because the priest had also abandoned God uh, along with the regular people. And so God's temple was left not properly taken care of. Now we get to Malachi chapter three and verse seven, I'd like to bring out. It says, yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we, we return? Well, again, returning to the Lord, speaking to those that formerly knew the Lord, but are now, they're not serving him. They've gone after other gods. And remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 16, verse four, for those of you that would uh, face temptations to go out into the world or to go back into darkness. Uh, remember the psalmist said that those who go after other gods will have sorrows multiplied. That's Psalm 16, verse four. So anything that the enemy would offer you, the devil would offer you, it may look very tempting and there can be a short season of pleasure, but really what you're actually looking at, the reality of the truth of what you're facing is the multiplication 
of sorrows. Not the addition of sorrows, but the multiplication of sorrows. And so if you walk away from the Lord, you walk away with eyes wide open into destruction and very, very hard and difficult times, all, of course, which can be avoided by serving the Lord. So he says, return to me and I will return to you. And this returning to the Lord, sometimes we call it revival, and I believe it is that, a spirit of revival, uh, coming back to God, getting our lives right with the Lord. And so uh, he said, but you said, in what way shall we return? So there's various things that he was addressing, God was addressing that the people had forsaken. And verse 8, uh, when it comes to returning God, and also an indicator that your heart is right with God, he says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. So I really believe also that when there is genuine repentance and a person gives their heart to the Lord and says, God, I really want to serve you, really want to live for you. I want my life to honor you. Then the first thing that's going to happen along with that repentance is going to be uh, consistent tithing and the sowing of seed, financial seed as the Holy Spirit would lead. But the tithe is something that's clearly laid out. And I know that we're reading in the Old Testament with these scriptures, but when you study New Testament theology, you'll see that tithing passed right through the cross. And even Jesus, when he was talking to the Pharisees, uh, you know, really commenting about the way they were tithing on small things, uh, being very tedious with uh, little details of the law, well, he's, he did say these things, you know, the big things you should have done, but these other things you should, you should do also. Well, uh, he endorsed tithing. And also Hebrews chapter 7, which is clearly in the New Testament, is a big endorser of tithing, basically revealing that Jesus today, our high priest, still is receiving the tithe. Praise God. So this, this is something fascinating. Whenever you see biblical revival, you, you see people returning to the Lord. Well, from Scripture, we see that the tithe begins to come in. So those of you that are tithing, I think in some ways you can feel really good because you have to understand that only about 20% of the church tithes. And if you, if you see a church, maybe with 100 members, maybe with 10,000 members, you have, to, you have to realize as you're looking over the crowd, there's only about 15 or 20% of the people of the entire church that are actually tithing. You may have others that might just give a little something, but really there's only a small group that tithes. So I believe that as we return to the Lord and when you seek God with all of your heart, you'll find the Lord and he'll, he'll find you in a sense. He already knows where you're at. He's just waiting for you to show up and get in your right place. But the blessing begins to flow. But we need the tithe. I really do believe that the tithe is something from, a, again, a theological standpoint passes through the cross and carries into the New Testament. Other things were clearly dropped because they were completed and fulfilled in the Lord Jesus, such as animal sacrifices. You don't have to do that anymore. Uh, certain Mosaic uh, requirements, they were fulfilled through Christ. But there's other things they carry right on through. You know, it says uh, under the Old Testament, it says you shall not steal. But today, stealing is still wrong. Doesn't matter if that was Old Testament when it was said. <laughs> Stealing is wrong and it'll always be wrong. And so there's some things that are wrong, they will forever be wrong, and there's some things that are right, and they will forever be right, and we need to do the right, praise God. And so from a biblical pattern, you see that when God's people come back to him, the tithe starts flowing. So for those of you that have not been a tither, you need to do that. And even if uh, I'm somebody that you watch on the internet primarily from a perspective of receiving teaching, and I'm not perhaps your pastor. You still need to send your tithe somewhere. You need, you need to tithe, praise the Lord. And if you're going to a church somewhere, uh, you need to be tithing, praise God. Now, we have a, a good internet audience that uh, some of you have been watching for years. Some of you have been watching for almost 10 years now, and you're very dedicated tithers, and the Lord is blessing you and doing wonderful things in your life. But for others who are not tithing, I will say this, you need to be tithing somewhere. And uh, primarily, according to the scriptures, the storehouse is a place where your spiritual nourishment is coming from. So you need to tithe because it's something that's biblically right to do. It opens the windows of heaven over your life. It proves to the Lord that he is your financial uh, caretaker 
and that you're under the umbrella of his blessing. And it also gives divine protection against the devil and causes the enemy, the devourer, to be rebuked. One of the reasons that a lot of Christians, they get hit with, with uh, financial loss, uh, whether it's through theft, whether it's through uh, uh, strange accidents or mechanical breakdowns. One of the reasons people take, Christians I'm talking about, take unnecessary hits is because they're not, they're not true tithers. Maybe they just tithe once every now and then, but they don't do it systematically. So a true tither is somebody that's tithing every time money comes into their hands or a paycheck or, you know, a blessing or something like that, and you get money, uh, you instantly, you're thinking, I've got to get the tithe off this. Before you spend the money, you want to get the tithe out. So those are the true tithers. So I want to encourage everybody watching that in order for the financial covenant to really function in your life, you need to be tied into the Lord, and you need to be a tither. And I've said it before that until you start tithing, it's only going to get tighter. So I want to encourage you, especially in the uh, volatility, the changing dynamics of the world's economic system, which is very unstable, that you really have your financial situation uh, anchored with the Lord, that you have a financial covenant with God. And so you need to be a tither. It's the, it's the entrance way in because the tithe is something that you do by faith. And if you can't tithe by faith, there's going to be limitations as to how far you can go in your walk with the Lord because everything revolves around faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. So we tithe by faith. We live by faith. We praise the Lord by faith. Everything we do is by faith. So I want to encourage you today. If you haven't been tithing, get up and get going in this. This is a key indicator in scripture that revival or returning to the Lord has actually uh, taken place in your life. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are watching today. That as they bring the tithe and offerings into your storehouse, that the windows of heaven be open over their life, that divine ideas, creative ideas, money-making ideas be released to your people, and that you turn them into financial champions. Oh, God, we just give you praise. And Father God, that they will give the most amazing financial testimonies of your goodness and of your power and of your faithfulness. Now, Father, we give you praise. We thank you that you're lifting up your people in this hour in unprecedented ways so that we might see the covenant established, the preaching of the gospel taken to all nations. Father, we thank you. We realize it's, it's going to take provision released in uh, ways we've never seen experienced before, but you're willing to do it through your people that are proven financial vessels, golden vessels, that will allow your spirit to flow. Now, Father, we give you praise. We thank you in Jesus' name. And all together around the world, we say, amen. Praise God. Those of you that are mailing in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Our zip code, 28654. If you want to bring the tithe and offerings in online, you can do so by visiting the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings. So and you can go there right now and bring them in into the storehouse of God. And thank you for your giving. It's allowing us to step into some new things that God has called us to do. And the other things that we're already doing, we'll just do it better and continue to increase in those areas as well. God bless you as we are together making an impact for the gospel. Praise God. Now, today, I want to talk about treasure. Uh, it's actually hidden treasure in secret places. And let's jump into this today. I'm very excited to share this with you. And I think I think one of the greatest encouragements is that when you're when you're endeavoring to work the Word of God, and you start to see it manifest and working in your life, um, it's a little bit like exercise. One of the greatest motivators is that when you've been exercising and then maybe you step on the scale, let's say you're trying to lose a few pounds and you're seeing that scale begin to move. So you're realizing that the efforts that you're putting in, you're doing something right and it's working and it's giving good results. Well, that's very encouraging. And so it makes you want to continue on. So I want to talk today about how the Holy Spirit wants to unveil some amazing things to you. I believe some things that haven't even been on your radar 
uh, and the Holy Spirit is the master of this. We want to talk about it today. Let's go over to our key text, which is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to drop down to verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I've been out in Southern California now for about a week. We had some very powerful meetings. Also did some uh, television recordings with Apostle Dr. Gary Greenwald. And have had a lot of fun. And uh, spending a little time now with the family. And we'll be heading back to North Carolina in just a few days. Praise the Lord. But happy to be able to greet you today over the internet. We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit, that we all know so well, who is the Spirit who lives inside of each one of us and also at times comes up on us, we ask that he would unveil the Scriptures and that he would make your word, O God, come alive to us. Now, we thank you, Father God, for encounters with you through your word by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, amen. Praise God. Verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Here we see a great example of hidden wisdom in the sense that the plan of redemption that God had for us and for mankind, that plan was laid out throughout the Old Testament scriptures, but it was laid out in types, shadows, in what we could call, if it helps you to understand it better, symbolism. That's what a type would be. It's a New Testament Greek word. A type means something that was uh, an experience a reality in the Old Testament, but it had another meaning, such as like Abraham uh, with the uh, situation of him offering up his son Isaac as a sacrifice. Well, that was a type of God the Father offering his son Jesus up as a sacrifice. So that's what a type means. It's really something that would be like a shadow. You would see the shadow in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, you have the substance, you have the real thing. So these are symbols. And one of the great things is that even with all the types and shadows and symbols in the Old Testament that were giving indicators of this redemptive plan, that there would be a second Adam who would come and would not mess it up, but would get it right and would restore lost mankind back to God. Even with all of these um, clues, the enemy still could not figure out. Satan could not figure out what God was really up to until after the whole thing had been pulled off. And it wasn't until after the resurrection with the Lord's triumphant uh, you know, coming out of the grave and then appearing to many afterwards that the enemy realized his whole kingdom had been completely upended. And although Satan still continues to function, and as 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, he is the God of this world, that's, uh, that's God uh, in a little sense, as there are many gods, false gods, but there's only one true God, Jehovah God, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Satan is actually an outlaw rebel spirit. And the power and the, the authority he has has been stripped from him so that he has no authority or power over a believer. Now, in his kingdom of darkness, where he influences the people of the world, yes, he has authority over them because there are two kingdoms, the kingdom of light kingdom of darkness. So you can't belong in both at the same time. You're either in one or the other. So he has influence over them, but not over us. But God is omniscient. He knows all things. Satan does not. He does not have, uh, you know, he knows a lot, but he doesn't know everything. And he certainly doesn't know everything that's going on all at the same time. Only God can do that. And Satan cannot be omnipresent. God can. God's everywhere all at the same time. But the devil can't, can't do that. He's, he's just a fallen cherub. He is a fallen spirit. And yes, he still retains his wisdom, but remember, it says that his wisdom is now corrupted. So he may have wisdom in certain areas, but he really is 
Let me say it like this. He is a spirit being, but he is a flesh devil. So the only way that he can operate and work in the way that he thinks because of his corrupted wisdom is how to harass and attack through the five physical senses. So if you walk by faith, not by feelings, not by what you see, not by what you feel, you will walk in a realm of victory over him in a consistent basis. So uh, verse, verse 8 tells us that the wisdom of God was hidden and that the, even Satan and the powers of darkness, the rulers of darkness, did not know this master plan of redemption that God had. And if they would have known about it, they would not have crucified Christ because by, by doing that, they have actually allowed Jesus to become the second Adam. The first Adam was a sinless man. And so Satan, through deceit, tricked Adam and took the authority that Adam had for himself. And now Satan was the one governing the world. And that's why there's hurricanes and tornadoes. And that's why there's all these things. That's why there's all this murder and all of the, these governmental problems. It's all a direct result of sin and Satan ruling and influencing uh, people through uh, uh, the demons and the evil rulers, the spirit beings who influence the way people think. And of course, if they think bad, they're going to end up doing bad. That's all a result of the devil's kingdom. But we thank God that in Christ, we are more than conquerors. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And we walk in victory. So Jesus came along as the second Adam and won it all back. Praise God. And the devil didn't know how to handle Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was not walking in the flesh. He was walking in the spirit. Praise God. And we need to do the same thing. Now let's move on. Verse nine, but as it is written, well, it's written in the book of Isaiah 64. So Paul is going to quote what Isaiah wrote, but it's going to be changed a little bit. But remember, it's being changed, or we could say tweaked. It's going to be expressed in a different way. But it's not so much that Paul's going to write it differently as it is the Holy Spirit is going to move upon Paul to write this in a little bit of a different flow so that you can see a broader expression of what God is trying to convey. And we're going to bring that out in just a moment. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard. So there are some things that are beyond your physical ability to comprehend. Your, your ability to see and hear can only take you so far. Your ability, even with your natural mind, and I mean with your brain, that also has certain limitations. And even, even false religions have understood that, that the, the brain has limitations. And uh, by going through other gates, which are uh, unlawful gates. They're illegal gates. You have people in Hinduism. You have people in Spiritism who have gone into uh, realms of the spirit, and they move into areas of the occult, and they do these things unlawfully. And if you do it, you're you're greatly endangering yourself because anytime you're on the you're on Satan's turf, uh, he is filling your heart with deception. You may, you may think you're gaining knowledge. You may think that you're learning secrets of the spirit realm or secrets of the, of the universe, but the enemy is actually enchaining you, uh, enslaving you, and he's blinding you with deception the entire time. So you need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am the door. I am the way. And uh, if you're going through some other door and through some other way, you may think it's hidden knowledge, but it's actually taking you down. Uh, into hell. That's Satan's plan. So stay away from any other door outside of the door of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, God has prepared things for your life. He's prepared things for you. Some of these things, you will discover them as you journey through life, these, these blessings, these good things. Uh, it, it'll make you happy. But I want you to know that there's a lot that God has for you that is not on the surface. You're going to have to dig for it. And you're going to have to really walk close with the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to be your guide. And the Holy Spirit is the one who will unveil the Word of God to you because you cannot come into the fullness of all of these good things that God has prepared for you if you're not going to walk in obedience 
to the Word of God. And I want to give you a couple of scriptures. One is very easy to remember. Uh, this is John chapter 14, verse 21. And I think this scripture, at least from an American perspective, is very easy to remember because it's like a football score. Uh, the final score was 14 to 21, okay? So if you just think that, it's a, it's a very common score in football. So it's John chapter 14, verse 21. And Jesus said, he who has my commandments. So the more of the word that you know, the more of the commandments, the more of the ordinances, the more of the directives of God, the instructions of God that you have. It's, it's, it's light for your path. So you want to know the commandments of God. And remember, Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. There's nothing in the book. There's nothing in here that's too hard for you to carry, too complicated for you to do, too difficult for you to understand. It's all very, very simple and easy. He who has my commandments and keeps them. And this is the part that I think the Western church uh, has a little bit of a problem with because um, we've had a lot of good teaching on grace but I think a lot of the grace teachers, uh, as well as they have expounded on the subject of grace, they have, they have not mentioned some of these other scriptures that bring balance to the whole counsel of the Word of God. And so that, this is why you have a lot of Christians, they love the Lord, they're on their way to heaven, they understand grace, they have relief from sin, they don't have condemnation anymore, they, they, uh, they understand the power now of the blood of Jesus, and the ability of the blood to forgive sin. But, but look, you're still not going to come into your full promised land until you start obeying the commandments of God. You, you just can't keep on sinning even though you have an understanding of grace and expect that you can disobey God's commandments and still somehow you know, step into his full kingdom plan for your life. You can't. Scripture does not teach that. Jesus said, he who has my commandments and keeps them, not constantly breaks them, continually disobeys them, but keeps them. It is he who loves me. And the word love there in the Greek is the word agape, and it always denotes a selfless type of love where you're putting God first and you're putting his commandments first. So if you really love God, you will keep his commandments. Now, if you make a mistake, if you have a sin, if you miss it, then you need to repent, get right back in relationship with the Lord. Praise God. But our testimony needs to be that we're keeping God's commandments, not breaking them. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. We also have another powerful scripture. This would be Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. With those who love him and keep his commandments. Love, uh, love for God is always associated with keeping his commandments. So we really want to please the Lord. Now, let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So loving God is going to always be associated with obedience to the scriptures, obedience to God's commandments. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, we have mentioned in the scripture of the blood, the water, and also the fire. So I think what's going on in the church today is that we have had encounters with the blood, the cleansing of sin, the forgiveness of sin. And many believers have had encounters with uh the water. The water is actually the Word of God. It, it cleanses. It has a washing uh, element to it. So we've had, we've had various encounters with God through the blood and through the water, but we must also have encounters with God through the fire. Uh, excuse me, uh, through the fire. So we have the blood, we have the water, which is the Word, and we also have the fire. The fire is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's cleansing ability to do a work on the inside of us, delivering us, setting us free so that we can love God and we don't have 
chains and shackles and burdens, but we're free uh, not only outwardly in our public life, but we're free also in the, the inner places of our soul and of our heart. We have freedom within. That's what's very, very important to the Lord because the Lord looks on the inside. He's able to see like an x-ray scan and look on the inside with great detail into our lives. Praise God. So we want our love walk, our obedience walk with God to be of the highest priority. Praise the Lord. So really, when you're looking at the Holy Spirit unveiling to you things that your eye hasn't seen, your ear hasn't heard, it hasn't even entered into your heart, these special things that God has for you, you're really, you're looking at two qualifications. Uh, the number one qualification revealed here is that we love God. If you love God, I, I know that's kind of like a, a big serving, a big platter. There's a lot on that platter because it involves obedience. But if you love God, you are halfway there to seeing the Holy Spirit begin to unveil hidden treasures to you. Praise God. And I, I know you love the Lord. I know your heart is to follow after God. I, I know also that we are seeing a moving uh, in the church of people returning to the Lord. You've had a lot of people fall away from God and you have a lot of Christians in church, but their hearts are just not after God. Their hearts are after the world. Uh, they're distracted with all kinds of stuff. Uh, and uh, the Holy Spirit is beginning to lift the, uh, uh, the Lord up higher in the sense that the glory is coming back to the church. So uh, in a lot of ways, the church is finding out, hey, we've, we've actually been asleep. We really haven't been serving God like we thought we were. We've actually been in a slumber. And when you're in a slumber, you can even be in a stupor where you don't even know what's going on. So when the light of glory of Christ starts to be illuminated, you're starting to realize, oh, we weren't as close to the Lord as we thought we were. So there is a returning to the Lord to a right place of walking with God. So you have two qualifications that begin to allow the Holy Spirit to unveil I'm talking about unveiling things that are so close, but you still can't see them because there's a curtain there. But they can just be, they can just be like a couple of feet away from you. And all it takes is the Holy Spirit to begin to pull it back. And you can see something that is in what I would call the destiny plan that God has for your life. They are things that are written on heavenly scrolls that God intended for you to walk into uh, experience while you are, while you're on the earth. We're not talking about later when you get to heaven. You'll have all eternity to do things then. But while you're here on the earth, there are things that God has planned for you to step into, and it is going to take the Holy Spirit for you to get it. And that's why you need to follow the word very strictly. The Holy Spirit will highlight the word. He'll show you these things. And as you walk with him, then the unveiling begins to take place. And remember what this unveiling you go from glory to glory and things you're walking in right now as uh, much as you're enjoying it. It doesn't mean that God, you know, is like tapped out and there's nothing more that he can do for you. I believe there's more and perhaps even, even some big things that have yet not shown up on the radar screen of your life. They're going to show up because the Holy Spirit is going to unveil them and you're going to be a very, very happy person. Now, there's two qualifications. The first one is to love the Lord. The things which God has prepared for those who love him. And of course, if you love him, we've already seen that that uh, involves obeying his commandments. So you love the Lord. So that's the number one qualification. But the number two qualification, surprisingly enough, is actually unveiled in this same scripture, but would be in the original scripture when the Holy Spirit spoke it through the prophet Isaiah. And when you get both of these put together, because Paul has one key, Isaiah has the other key. And when you put them both together, you have the two keys, the two qualifications that allow the Holy Spirit to begin to pull the curtain back and show you things that God intended for you before you were ever born, uh, things that he prepared for you before you ever stepped into this planet, ever came out of your mother's womb. God already had it all planned out, all figured out. Well, he's going to begin to unveil these things very quickly in your life as these two things are exercised in your life. Are you ready for number two? Let's take a look at it. Let's go there right now. We're going to go back to the original scripture that was spoken by Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 64 
And let's go to verse 4. This is where Paul was quoting from, but when Paul wrote it under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, under that inspiration of the Spirit, he talked about the unveiling comes to those who love God, who love him. Let's look at it in Isaiah 64, verse 4. For since the beginning of the world, wow, that's been quite some time now, hasn't it? For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard. Now, of course, men, this is uh, basically mankind. So ladies, don't think you're not included. You are. Men have not heard nor perceived by the ear. Okay, so again, we have to cover the physical limitations of our ability to grasp the will of God. You're, some of these things, you're not going to figure it out no matter how strong you are, no matter how good your eyesight is, no matter uh, how good your hearing is, no matter how sharp your IQ is. Look, you can have a really high IQ, but be clueless as to the moving of the Holy Spirit and as to missing out because uh, your IQ is not going to qualify you. Obedience to uh, scriptural commands, that's what qualifies you. That's what gets you in. Praise God. Somebody, you're feeling really happy. Maybe you feel like you, you're not that smart. You don't have to be smart. You just, you just have to follow the plan. Praise God. And when you, when you follow the plan, it'll work for anybody. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter where you live at. It doesn't matter um, what your skin color is. It's, uh, it's, uh, th those things have no bearing on it. What has the bearing is that those who actually obey and do what God said to do. Verse 4, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you, who acts for the one who waits for him. Who acts for the one who waits for him. Now, this is very fascinating. Here, we have the original scripture by, by Isaiah saying that there is an unveiling to the one that waits for him, for the one that waits for him. What is waiting referring to? This is referring to not just sitting around, not, you know, it's not like you, you don't go to work and now the bills are piling up. That's not what this is talking about. God begins to unveil these amazing things he's got planned for you. Uh, he will do it for the one who will wait for him. He'll start unveiling. He'll start acting for the one who waits for him. This waiting is a, an expression of your devotional time with the Lord. And you know what? There needs to be those special moments you have with the Lord where you're able to get still and you get quiet and you're not squirmy. Your flesh is not jittery. You may be initially like that when you have your prayer time with the Lord or your devotional time, but you need to stay with the Lord until all of that stuff begins to evaporate and you can get real still and get real quiet with the Lord. And when you move into that place, some Christians think, oh, I feel peace. That must mean my prayer time is concluded. And they leave. Usually, right at the moment, they're beginning to get in, into a place where there can be unveiling of God's uh, destiny for your life. When you get into that place of deep peace, and it can take a little while to get into it, but as you get into that deep, deep peace and you get so settled in the Lord, remember, the, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. That's what the Lord said. Be still. And it, it can take a while to get still. Be still and know. There is a knowing that comes out of stillness that you can never realize when you're just, you know, all, you know, kind of hyper or just your mind's on all kinds of other stuff. But there is a knowing that comes out of stillness. Be still and know that I am God. And God will begin to unveil. Who acts for the one who waits for him. The waiting is an expression of devotional life. And here's why it's expressed differently by two different writers. You have Isaiah with the Holy Spirit inspiring him to say that there comes revelation, there comes an unveiling when you wait, when you wait for him. And the Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the same Holy Spirit, says that the unveiling, the revealing takes place for those that love him. Why? If you, number one, love him, you will wait for him. See, now you have the two put together. If you love God, you will wait for God. You will not rush God. You will not try to be pushy towards God. Uh, if you are 
if you are trying to rush God, really in essence, you're actually critiquing God. You're saying, God, you're not doing fast. You're not moving fast enough. Lord, Lord, you must not be aware of my situation. So if you're critiquing God, you're actually finding fault with God. And we don't want to do that because God is faultless. So we're missing it somewhere. Maybe it's due to our uh, impatience. Maybe it's due to our lack of understanding or spiritual immaturity. But we always want to know that God knows what he's doing. God's got the great plan and we need to get still and tie into what he's doing and get that plan that he has for our life. And when we do that, when we love God, number one qualification and number two, when we wait for him, the waiting again is your devotional life. And I'm not talking about just like a few minutes. You have to wait till you get real still, get real quiet and, and just wait on the Lord. Some days you may have some extra time when you, you can do that. Other days, maybe a little too much going on. You can't spend as much time as you would normally like to. But when you have those moments where you can really lean in and give God maybe an extra 30 minutes, maybe an extra hour or something like that, maybe an extra two hours, then you can move into that place where the promise, the promise begins to happen, which is this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And the Holy Spirit, in those uh, moments when those criteria are being met, number one, loving God, which is keeping his commandments. Number two, waiting on the Lord, which is a strong devotional life. Don't ever let your walk with God get robotic or get mechanical because it cannot work like that. It has to be something that is a vibrant, strong, real relationship that you could only get out of spending real time with God. Woo, hallelujah. I'm talking about when you stop, you get still, you get quiet before the Lord and you pray, you spend time in the word, studying God's word, and then, then can come these unveilings where we see verse 10 happen. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. And the Holy Spirit can reveal uh, destiny to you that God has for your life through the word where there's a scripture that just comes alive and it speaks to you, watch this, it speaks to you in a way that is so real, it's as if Jesus were standing there and it's like he spoke it to you. Do you know what? Do you know what's amazing? It is the same thing. There's no difference between Jesus if he came and appeared to you in a vision and stood before you and told you, this is my plan for your life. When you have the Holy Spirit illuminate a scripture that strongly, it really is the word of the Lord for you. It's the same thing. Praise God. That's what's amazing. That's why you need to spend time in the word because the Holy Spirit, one of the ways that he can speak to you is through the word. And he'll take that word and he'll make it so real to you that it is the same thing as a personal encounter with the living word, the Christ himself. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. So when you're, when you're in that place, stay there and trust God for unveiling. You can't make the Holy Spirit do it, but as you're in those places, he's promised he'll do it. So if you just, if you just do it, if you do those two things, love God, and if you wait on the Lord, then you have now obligated God to the integrity of his word. So he's going to watch over his word and he's going to perform it in your life. You know, I had a situation. This is why I felt led of the spirit today to talk about this. I had a situation a few days ago where I got so over in the Holy Spirit. I just had some free time and I used it not to maybe go out and do something else or, you know, the weather was real nice and there's a lot of options of maybe other things I could have done. I just thought, Lord, I'm going to spend this time with you. And I just, I just kept spending time with the Lord. And I felt like I was getting closer and closer to the Lord. And remember, it says in the book of James that if you draw near to the Lord, he's going to draw near to you. And I got into a place of such peace where it felt like I was out on the, uh, maybe out like on the Atlantic Ocean and there's no waves. There's no wind. There's no waves. There's not a ripple. Everything is just flat, totally smooth. I thought... I thought I had come into a place of great peace. I could sense peace in my soul, peace in my spirit, and total stillness and quietness. And as I stayed and lingered in that place for quite some time, suddenly, suddenly to my great surprise, but yet to my great delight, it's as if the Holy Spirit allowed me to see into 
the destiny that God has for my life, and he pulled back. Uh, I wouldn't say it was a curtain because I didn't see the curtain, but it's something like a, like a, it's almost like he pulled back the natural so I can see into the supernatural. And he pulled that dimension back. And when he pulled it back, I could see, he didn't show me all of it, but I could see about 20, maybe 22% of it. And it was enough to say, Lord, I had always wondered about that. I, I had, you would almost maybe call it like imagination. Maybe it, it would touch the realm of daydreaming, but the Holy Spirit pulled it back and showed me that was actually something that God wants to do for me. And not, not when I get to heaven, on this earth, and it will be something that's it's tied into ministry. It's a ministry thing. And so I had never really had a, how can we say, a thus saith the Lord on that before. I never really had a word from God about it before. But when I saw it, I knew that's coming to me. Because why? There was an unveiling. That's what it means. This is These are treasures of hidden wisdom, treasures of hidden things that God unveils. Woo, thank you, Lord Jesus. The things of the Spirit, you have to deal, you, you have to dig for it. You have to dig for it. Praise God. Let me just share that with you very quickly. Proverbs 25, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. God hides these things for several reasons. One, he hides it so the enemy won't really know, so that the enemy can't uh, formulate a, a plan of attack because he doesn't know how to attack because he doesn't even really know what it is. And you're wise enough also not to, not to uh, reveal it before the time, okay? But he also hides it from you in a sense where he allowed you to come into a place of maturity so that you can't fumble the ball, so that you can't destroy it prematurely, or so that you can't get it too soon and somehow, you know, uh, bungle it or mess it up. When I was growing up, when I was in high school, uh, going to church, there was uh, another friend of mine. He was two years younger, and he was he was a great guy. Uh, we were friends, uh, but his father was wealthy, and his father was the superintendent over all the schools uh, within the whole district, and he uh, he was a prosperous man. He was also one of the elders in the church, um, but for whatever reason, uh, my, my friend, his father just always just poured out lavish blessing on him, and he didn't really have uh, the, the maturity yet, I don't think, to deal with a lot of things that were gifted to him. And, you know, hindsight, looking back, as they say, as 2020, you could see things much clearer. And his father gave him uh, a brand new Ford Mustang, uh, a five liter, you know, just the, the most powerful engine that you could buy at the time. And this thing was fast and it was, it was all black. I mean, it was really mean and fast looking. And so he's in high school and he's got a brand new Mustang and, you know, he's already got a little bit of an element of like, you know, push to limit. And uh, he gave me and my brothers a ride in it one time and uh, picked us up and we went for a ride. And, you know, within seconds, we were, last thing I saw on the, on the speedometer when I glanced over was 90. And, you know, he's, he's going 90 and he's going faster and faster. I don't know how fast we ended up going but he's showing off his car to us. He was driving it like that all the time. And, you know, we were going real high speed down these little bitty narrow two-lane country roads that, you know, turn and stuff like that. And he was driving like that all the time. And uh, uh, I, I'm glad I didn't ride with him very much in the car because he was a very, uh, as we would say, lead foot driver, very heavy on the gas pedal. But to make a long story short, as you're probably already thinking, yep, he wrecked it. He, he completely crashed it and totaled it. His father told him, um, <clears throat> he said, son, don't take the car and don't drive to that city. Well, without his dad knowing, he took the car and he drove to the city and he actually had a wreck in that city, completely totaled the car. So uh, I think, I don't know what he was driving after that, but it had a lot less horsepower. But in the same way, God reveals things at the right time by the Holy Spirit for our protection. But you know what? We, we now are in a place, we need to be searching these things out because many of you have served the Lord and you, you love the Lord and you're waiting on the Lord. You're meeting those two qualifications. So it's unveiling time. Mm. And I'm telling you what, get ready because the Holy Spirit's going to pull back that realm of the natural and you're going to be able to peek into the spirit realm, the supernatural, and you're going to see some things 
that God has for you for your future. And I'm not talking maybe, you know, 20 years from now. I'm talking maybe one, maybe two years from now, you're going to come into it. And these are some of these things that God's bringing his people in are so new and they're so unique. It's going to be the envy of the, of the unsaved world. And the unsaved world is going to say, wow, they have the most creative ideas. Yes. Why? It's coming from God. And they're not getting, they're not, see, they're not plugged into the same source we're plugged into. So we can get the most creative, the most unique, uh, the most anointed ideas that are possible because we're tied into God, the great illuminator, the Holy Spirit. Woo, hallelujah. Oh, oh my goodness. And all of his unlimited ability. Oh, it's, this is a lot of fun. This is why you need to spend time with the Lord. This is also why you need to be very careful that you obey the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Don't let the enemy cheat you out of your blessing, rob you from your promised land, and hold you back because he's got you tied up in some kind of goofy sin. Don't do that. Serve the Lord with all of your heart. Obey the commandments of God, and then walk very close with the Lord. Have a strong devotional life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, when the Holy Spirit unveiled this thing to me just a few days ago, the the only way I could describe it in the natural, what's it like in the natural? It's like the time I was maybe, uh, I can't remember how old I was. I think I was maybe eight or 10 years old, maybe nine. I can't remember exactly. But, um, you know, it was a point in my life where me and my brothers were pretty much, we like knew that the, the theory of Santa Claus wasn't real. We knew there wasn't a Santa Claus, but yet we had never seen actually how the presents are showing up. We knew it wasn't Santa Claus because obviously that's just, you know, a, you know, a myth. So, but, but yet we never really knew how was this, how's all this stuff actually getting underneath the Christmas tree? Because we would just wake up Christmas morning, come down and, you know, uh, come down the stairs and there it all is. Well, I remember one night on Christmas Eve, I told my brothers I was going to stay up real late and kind of solve this mystery, how, how, how this stuff works, what are the mechanics behind the scenes, how are the presents getting under the tree? And very quietly, I got out of bed when my parents, my grandparents thought we were all asleep, uh, but we were actually staying awake on purpose upstairs. And I got out of bed and crawled on the floor on my stomach real quiet and went over to the stairwell area where the stairs led down. And I went down the top two steps of the stairwell and looked and there I could see my grandfather and my grandmother. I'm so glad they're in heaven today. I'll see them again, praise God. But they were putting presents underneath the tree and my father and mother were in different parts of the living room and they were wrapping the presents. And I only watched for a few minutes. I didn't want them to see me or anything like that. But I went back, crawled back to the bed and told, the, uh, told my brothers a little bit of what I had seen. I felt like one of the two spies coming back with the tin. I was coming back with a good report. I had seen the promised land and I was telling them some of the things I saw, but I had seen, uh, it looked like a bicycle. And although I couldn't see all of it because a, por a portion of it was wrapped, I saw like the handlebars. So what had happened? I had had a little bit of an, un un uh, an unveiling of something that was going to come. And sure enough, uh, the next morning, as it was unwrapped fully, there was a bicycle underneath the tree. But my, my friends, the Holy Spirit can give you uh, a righteous unveiling, and he doesn't mind if you peek into the kingdom. He actually has permission from Jesus to show you these things, and he can allow you to see something that will give you such a motivation to continue on in the path and in the purpose and the calling that God has for your life that you're like, Lord, I'm really going to serve you because I really want that to happen. Yes, Lord, I'll serve you, not just because of that, but Lord, that really is something that I really do want to see come to pass. So I'm determined to walk with you with all of my heart because that's going to bless a lot of people. That will really touch the lives of a lot of people, and I want to see it accomplished. Praise God. Okay, so all I'm trying to do today is motivate you to meet these two qualifications, and if you'll do that, you get into that secret place with the Lord, you're going to begin to see unveilings take place. These are very sacred. Um, I believe when it happens, this, this is probably not the thing that you should run out and tell somebody. Maybe, only, maybe the only person would be your spouse if they are on the same spiritual wavelength, okay? Or maybe uh, a man of God, if you're very close to the man of God in your life, maybe then you could share it. Outside of that, you may be thinking, Pastor Stephen, what do I do with it? You take it in prayer, 
and you do a lot of praying in the spirit, a lot of praying in tongues, and just pray over it, pray over it, pray over it. And that is seed that you're sowing into that thing so that it will come out and come forth in fullness at the right time. I really believe we are in the last days and God is expediting his end time plan and the end time purpose that he has for you and that he has for the church. Praise God. Please lift your hands. Heavenly Father, I pray for everybody watching right now that there uh, be unveilings, very holy, sacred unveilings in the secret place where the curtain of the invisible realm, the layer of the invisible realm is pulled back and that your people can see into the glory realm, something that is written on the scroll of the destiny of their life, something that they are called to do and that they will do in the very near future. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you as they meet these two qualifications of Isaiah and also of the Apostle Paul of Isaiah 64, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. We thank you that the unveiling, the revealing by your Holy Spirit is absolutely going to take place. Father, we give you praise that Christmas not only comes in December, hallelujah, it can come within the very next prayer meeting. So Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name and we all say amen and amen. Let's, let's seal this word. This is a word that the enemy would like you to forget, but you're not going to. This is a word that the enemy would like for you to get busy and caught up in all the things of life and you don't really... Uh, make application of it, but that's not going to be your testimony. You're going to be the person that's going to grab these two scriptures, Isaiah 64, 4, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, and you're going to go into your prayer closet, your prayer chamber, and you're going to see an unveiling. Woo, praise God. Let's take communion together. Please grab some, some grape juice and some unleavened bread, and let's pray over it and, and bless it. Father, we thank you that we have the bread and the grape juice. We now consecrate it. We set it apart as holy. This is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, as we receive the body of, of Jesus, we thank you that he has now given us the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can unveil the perfect plan that you have for our lives. Father, there's something that the person who's watching, there is something that's so amazing that you want to do for them and they've never even thought about it. Maybe if they're spirit-filled, maybe they have had what they would call a wild imagination. Maybe it just hit them just for a second, and they thought, nah, too good to be true. But Father, I believe you're going to unveil wonders. So Father, we thank you. We now receive the body of Jesus, and we say amen. Let's receive the body of Christ together. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for forgiveness of sins and cleansing from all unrighteousness. And Father, we have committed any sin. We ask you to forgive us and wash us clean with the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you're also releasing the fire of your Holy Spirit in this season for the purging and the cleansing of your people. We give you praise. Thank you, Father God, that your grace is greater than any sin. Your grace is more than enough than any sin, and we receive it. And we also thank you, Father, for strength and determination to obey your commands and not be tripped up by the enemy, but to live a life that is pleasing to you, a life of victory through the power of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we now receive the blood of Jesus with great rejoicing in his name. Amen. Let's drink and let's receive together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My friends, be still and know that the Lord is God and that he will unveil scrolls of destiny for you. Now, now the Lord can also give you glimpses into the life of others and that you might have a prophetic word so that you may carry that word to that person and say, hey, I believe that the Lord showed me that he's going to do this thing for you. Oh, hallelujah. And I've been able to do that for others, carry that prophetic word to them. And I've had others carry a prophetic word to me. So be a prophetic person. And God can also show you things 
of what he wants to do for others. And then you can take that prophetic word to them and it will bear witness with their spirit by the Holy Spirit because it's actually something that God has already revealed to them. So it's the confirmation of a secret coming from the secret place and it will bring great rejoicing. So Father, bless your people. We thank you that we are blessed to be a blessing in Jesus' name. Thank you for thank you for times of unveiling the scrolls of destiny for the purpose of great inspiration and encouragement. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We seal it now with the blood of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. My friends, thank you for watching today. May the Lord bless you with a tremendous week. I will see you back next time coming from my home state of North Carolina. Till then, be richly blessed. Bye-bye.